0: Hi, guys. Yep. Hi, Hello. Dean. Um, should we start with the end of last week then and um, the Brentford game postponement? Could you give us a sort of rough timeline of how things panned out for you, Dean? Obviously, the game was announced as off on the Friday.
1: Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, yes, yeah, so we came in on Friday for a normal preparation day before a game. We do some video analysis with the players. We're out on the grass for training. And um, it was clear when we got to the grass, really within the session, that there were some symptoms within the squad. Uh, obviously, we weren't able to to do any tests, with it being New Year's Day, uh, unfortunately, before the game on the Saturday. So um, we carried on as normal. We travelled to, or we set off to travel. We got probably about 50, 55 minutes, an hour or so into the journey, and uh, I unfortunately got the phone call that the game had been postponed. So, we had to, we was on two coaches, so we had to pull them across to the side of the motorway. I had to speak to players and staff on my coach and then get down the hard shoulder and get in the other bus and speak to the guys on that coach. And um, yeah, and then, as I say, we turned the buses round. we headed back to Bristol. Got back to Bristol, I think, about 5.30ish Friday evening. And then um, we had to spend some time in isolation then until we could get the, the the negative COVID test, which we've done. I'm pleased to say, and now the last couple of days we've been we've been back training and preparing for this. This FA Cup game on Sunday.
0: So the whole squad has now been tested. Yes. And any positives?
1: We've got one positive in the camp. Is yeah. is
0: that including the clubs you said about Casey Palmer online? There is. Is, it is, is he the... Gregor?
1: That's yeah, Greg. Uh, sorry, yeah, Casey Palmer's the only positive that we've got. I'm pleased to say, yeah.
0: Okay, and um, so obviously the Portsmouth game is is obviously on. And um, you've been able to train normally and uh, just in comparison, obviously, to the last international break, you've been able to, just to confirm, you've been able to use the training grounds, all the facilities like that. Nothing nothing has been any different.
1: Yeah, as I say, Greg, all we had to do on Friday when we got the game um, postponed, unfortunately, what we had to do then was just wait around until we could get tested. We got tested on Monday morning um, and we've been able to train Tuesday, Wednesday, no, no problem at all. And, and I know you've just said this, but... I guess it's a case of
0: sort of health and safety, isn't it? In terms of on New Year's Day, from Brentford's point of view, you didn't know if you had any positive cases in the camp. But you did have some players with symptoms. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, Gregor. It's absolutely correct. Unfortunately, as I say, with have being New Year's Day, we just weren't able to get any testing done before the game. And um, we played against a couple of Tier 14s in the week. So before that, you know, one of our... Um, Players and, as I say, on the on the training pitch has got symptoms, and we just weren't able to uh, to get the game on based on that. It's just health and safety. It's, it's it's the risk of the spread. We know it's it's now at a peak within the country, and it's and it's really serious. We're now in national lockdown again, unfortunately, because of it. So we couldn't take any risk. It was the wrong thing to do. We made the right call. The EFL made the right call to call the game off. It's disappointing from my point of view. As I say, we 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 were I'd say now we're into our journey to Brentford. So. We were fully prepared, you know, to play the game. Um, and it's disappointing to call off any football match for for everyone, for supporters, for players, for everybody. But it was the right call. As I say, we're in the midst of a of a, a pandemic within the country and we're now in national lockdown. And it, it was the right call. I'm really comfortable that they made the right decision. Was it, just,
0: just to confirm, was it just one player was showing symptoms?
1: Yes, it was, yeah.
0: And did you guys know about what was happening at Luton Town at all? Because obviously they've had positive tests and their game was called off and yeah it was only
1: yeah a bit later on on the Friday that we found out that they'd returned a few positive tests so it was uh, it was only at that point that we was aware of, of what was going on at Luton yeah.
0: Okay and so moving on to Portsmouth then and and obviously a team you could have played earlier in the season uh, what, what do you expect from Kenny Jackett and, and co?
1: Well of course we've had our eyes on them for most of the season we we've Cam and Pring being there on loan and uh, they're a team that are going really well in the division they've they've scored lots of goals they've they've put a lot of clean sheets on the board as well um and they've got some very experienced players within that group within that squad so as i say they're in they're a team in form they've not played for a for a few weeks i think december the 18th was the last game so they've been able to get some some rest into the players as well and work on a couple of things so no we're expecting a tough game it's the f a cup and um my football memory tells me that there's, there's there's shocks all over the place in every single round, every single season. So it's a, it's a magical trophy. I spoke to the players about that this morning. I think sometimes in uh, in the modern day, we've competitions being rebranded quite often and, and lots more competitions probably than there were when, when I was younger. It's important that the, everyone's aware how, how uh, much of, an, of a history this competition holds. And um, it's a competition that we're taking seriously.
0: Is there any team news ahead of the game? Dean, how's Jamie Patterson doing and, and Jack Hunt and his, and his foot? Is that all healed up? And- Once he's not
1: been able to train this week since we came back in, he's, he's got the stitches out yesterday and it's still it's, uh, it's still giving him some problems. It looks quite a nasty gash that he's got. So uh, we'll assess how he goes on the rest of the week. Pat's always unavailable. He's, he's going to have an operation tomorrow in that groin area. Hopefully he'll be back in, in around three to four weeks from that operation. Um, Alfie Mawson's in full training. I'm, I'm pleased to say, and again, it's a little bit too early in the week, Gregor, to, to decide if he's going to be feature at the weekend. But um, at the moment, he's looking good, and uh, we'll just have to see as the week goes on. If you know if he's if he's done enough work to be considered for a for a first team return. Obviously, he's not been able to play an under 23s game as yet, and he's only been in training a week or so. So we'll 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 assess that as the week goes on.
0: Okay, and any of the other guys getting any closer, Nathan Baker at all or, or, or Liam Walsh even
1: Bakes has, has joined in a little bit of training. Um, no Walshes no Walshe and, and Joe Williams are still still not with the with the group training as yet.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. And then you've obviously got the recalled guys've who, who've, who've come back over the last few days. Um, could there, any of those guys being in contention to be in the squad for the weekend?
1: I think Marley's obviously injured, as I've said before. He's probably going to be out till towards the end of the season. So that could be a boost for us towards the end of the season. In terms of the, the other lads, obviously, Casey, you know about. Uh, James Morton and Cameron Pring cup tied. So there's, there's only a Warra Edwards and Hakib Adelukin who will be, be available for us.
0: OK, and um, of, of the recalls, just wondered, Dean, did you did you have to speak to that, some of those guys in advance? And cause some of those guys have been playing week in, week out, well, or, or maybe not week in, week out, but a lot for their clubs that they were at. And I just wonder how much they would have realistically wanted to return to the club where they might not play so much. Did you have to talk to them and convince them at all, or, or maybe not convince them, but just sort of give them an idea as to their prospects?
1: Yeah, I've been in regular touch with with all the players that have been out on loan for, throughout the season, anyway. So, um, just continuing them conversations leading into the Christmas period around, um, of course, around the availability and, and coming back to Bristol City. And um, no, they see it as a as a as a positive step. You know, the guys went out for different reasons in the summer. Some went out as, as youngsters to to get some first team match action for the first real time. Some of them obviously needed to get games. And, um, and they've done that. keeps coming back with uh, some, a number of games under his belt, coming back a much more confident player, having performed for a, for a club at the top end of, of League One. Casey's probably not, well, definitely not started as much, as many games as he would like to have done, but certainly still had some football from the bench for Swansea. And, um, no, they're all keen to come back and, as I say, and add to the squad.
0: And all those guys you've called back, are they going to be in contention to... To be in to play in the first team squad, or might you send some of those guys back out on loan again, elsewhere? To yeah, order. I think we'll just
1: have to assess, Gregor, as we go through the window. I think part of that will be will be down to um, the injured lads that we can get back that are out at the moment, and, and we'll just assess as we go through. We've got obviously till the end of the month to decide the twenty five day uh, to twenty five man squad and finalise that with the FL. So, um, no, they're coming back to to be involved, and as, as I say, as the month goes on depending on who we can get back from we'll assess if you know if there's not been much game time for one or two of them might need to go and get another loan but as i say we're open to that and we'll just keep we'll keep it moving
0: and January transfer window is open for permanent signings as well is it possible Bristol City could recruit either a loan or or someone permanently still or or is that unlikely
1: no we've got our options open as i said before during the window you never you never quite know what's coming you never know if there's going to be a phone call coming for one of our players um, of course, we we've got our ears to the ground, and in terms of movement, and um, and we'll react accordingly. As I say, we're well prepared. We've, we've got a number of options available to us, and um, throughout the month, as I say, we'll assess exactly where we're at in terms of our squad initially, and um, and if we need to move, then we will. Is there any interest in your squad at the moment? I think there's always uh, initial conversations going around from from agents and and things like that around. You know, would you let such and such a player go or? things like that. It's natural. Um, it's natural throughout the, the football season, never mind the window. So, of course, there's been tentative inquiries, I would say, on, on some of our players, but in terms of bids coming in or anything like that, then there's no nothing to report.
0: Okay. And um, the club announced that Chris Brunt was leaving on Sunday. Um, how do you assess his time here? He's obviously been very unfortunate with his injury.
1: Yes, it's it's a shame the way it's panned out for Brunt. He's a fantastic lad. He added so much to, to the group. Um, particularly behind the scenes, particularly on the training pitch and in and around the hotels, you know, giving advice to the, not only the youngsters, but the other players in, in and around them positions. He's played at the top level and for his country for most of his career. And he's uh, he's quite a shy lad, but he's got a lot of a lot to give. And um, we're really grateful for the job that he did for us. He wasn't able to to play as much football as, as he or we, we would have liked. Uh, he had a couple of niggles while he was here and, and it just probably didn't work out for him. And uh, yeah, it's quite sad the way it ended for him in the end, but... Um, I say that him himself and the club came to a decision, and you um, know we wish him well. He's a great guy, and um, we wish him well.
0: Just obviously, it was a mutually agreed termination. Is it? I mean, without going into any details or anything, but is it fair to assume that basically that will have obviously worked both ways? But the club will have saved a little bit of money there from from an agreement with him, from him not being there right to the end. So therefore, he's actually is very generous of him to not obviously sit out and see his contract now.
1: Yeah, as I, yeah. I mean, as I say, Mark Ashton deals with the finances of with the players and, and the agents, and um, I've not got involved in that one bit. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it would have been easy to for a player to sit around for for six months and, um, as you say, pick up a paycheck, as they say. But Brunty's not that type of guy. He realised uh, he had a you know an injury that was going to keep him out for the majority of the season, as I say, and came to a decision with the football club. So. As I say, nothing but good things to say about him, and we wish him well.
0: Just rounding off, really. Um, on Farmer Jesu, obviously he could sign for another club at the moment. Is that something you're worried about at all?
1: I think that's just natural, Gregor. With when contracts get run down, I think, as I say, Mark's in touch with his, with his, from Farmer and his agent, and uh, he's got good relationships with them. And um, you know, Mark's very experienced in. In this type of thing, so no, I'm quite relaxed about it. I think we're quite relaxed. We're in talks with Famara about his contract, as you know. There's nothing, no news on that just yet. And um, as I said before, we'll, you know, if and when things may or may not happen, then we will be able to react accordingly.
0: Just finally, what's your own favourite FA Cup memory, either, yeah,
1: coaching or or playing yourself, Dean? Well, I got sent off in the FA Cup quarter final for Bolton, so that's not one of my nice memories. Um, I've got a photograph at home of me as, as a five-year-old with the FA Cup I'm sat on my lap that's a, a nice moment uh, as I said talking to the players this morning it was just around the magic of it you remember you probably too young Gregor, but they, they used to follow it from eight o'clock on a Saturday morning the whole day was FA Cup day uh, the helicopter would follow the team coach travelling the streets of London up Wembley Way and it was just a magical event and um, you know, I've been to a few myself as a, as a supporter I went to one a couple of years ago with, with my dad and my and my two boys and some other members of my family, which was a magical day. So, no, it's a fantastic tournament, it really is. And uh, as I say, can't wait to, to lead the team out as the manager on Sunday and in, in the FA Cup. It's uh, hopefully going to be a good day for us.
0: Thanks, Dean. Good luck.
1: Thank you.
2: Hey, David. How are you, Dean? After good afternoon.
1: Good, thanks, you. Yeah,
2: good, good. Gonna just uh, follow up there on your talking about your built, built memories and stuff. Obviously, you're a you're a United fan. Mm. Who was your who was your first uh who was your first FA Cup period of for United?
1: FA Cup wise, it would have been the, the picture that I've got was 1985 when Norman Whiteside scored that screamer and they beat Everton one nil. Um onside. Kevin. Sorry, Whiteside's onside. That's right, Whiteside. Yeah, I remember Kevin Moran was sent off and. Um, no genuine memories. My dad had, had him on the the sweep to score first, so we we got a few quid in the coffers and we went to the caravan in Tembe, South Wales with the with the with the winnings. So that was my yeah first ever memory. Like
2: I'm, uh, I'll give away my own allegiances here as, as i have read as well. My, my first FA Cup memory was Paul Rideout scoring and, and balling was there. me. Balling. Wait, thought, yeah, same here. This is how much of a glory hunter I am. It was the first game we ever went to in England with my dad, and it was the FA Cup final. And I remember balling me eyes out when Paul Royd scored. and I was just—it's just one of those things that that burns in your burns in your head. That I imagine as a fan going to games because I remember re- reading about you. Like you're big on fan culture. You kind of get what it means to fans and what kind of the magic around certain games
1: can can bring to a club. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, as I say, I was there that day '95. I remember. I was there when Cantona scored against Liverpool, '96, hmm. I think it was. Hmm. Uh, the famous white suits that the Liverpool boys wore that day. So, um, no, I'm a football, as I say, I'm a football fan myself. I've been going since I was four, or five years old, and a massive part of my life. If I wasn't a, a head coach, I'd be I'd be travelling around the country, home and away, like I did when I was a kid. So, they're a massive part of, of football, and we've become almost used to not having supporters in the stadium now, which is really sad. Um, hmm. And the main thing, as I've said before, is, is that we come through this pandemic in a, in a healthy state. And when we do that, it's going to be one hell of a party in it down at the very first game that supporters can get to. And we can't wait for that day. Just chatting to Antoine earlier, and he was saying, obviously, he grew up
2: as an Arsenal fan, but idolised, loved the way DDA Drogba played. And I was mentioning that about, about that feeling towards the, like the FA Cup. It, is that a kind of a thing that maybe can be lost? And you mentioned it there about different competitions, but that maybe it's a reminder for some players that because like, he grew up like a lot of kids playing the game Wembley where you go out playing with all your friends and it's Wembley that it's just a reminder of this is where you play football it's for competitions like this and for the possibility of actually getting to play in Wembley. Like
1: It's a great question you, you can't ever lose that you really can't and it's a, it's a big part of the way that we go about our business here is that um, I think particularly the moment that we're in at the moment how tough it is for people you can't ever lose the feeling of why you're doing it in the first place. Like why did you become a professional football? You know, I've never met a professional player that, did, that, that woke up one morning and said, right, I'm going to be a professional player because I want to be a millionaire. It's that passion, as you say, that you, you don't know anything else. It's just all you did as a kid. You played on the streets until it was dark, so you got called home for your tea off your mum and dad, and then you went back out again. It's all, it's all that you know. Um, and the big moments on the TV you can relate to, can't you, when you when you see, as you said there, the poor ride don't go, It just takes you straight back like it was yesterday. So.
2: Mm.
1: You, know, it's, you, you can't ever lose that. It's the same. It's the same in management and head coach. You can't. You know, you're in it for the for the for the memories. Essentially, to be involved in football and, and to be, you know, to be out there. And I think back to some of the moments we've had this season. Some of the late winners that we've got. The feeling when you there's nothing not there's nothing remotely that would ever come near to it. And I've been at every one of my five children's births. Um, and I probably shouldn't have said that in case my wife's watching, but. It gives us a moment of passion. It takes you right into the now. It takes away
0: mm.
1: all the stuff that's going on in the world at the moment. It takes you right into that moment of of here and now and and pure elation. And as I say, that's why that's why the lads are in it. I wondered, like honestly, like does that same
2: feeling there when the stadium's not full, when there's not that kind of adrenaline around the place, and there's not that feeling? Like, is it the same in it? Like, it can't be the same in empty stadiums, can it?
1: I think the feeling when you score, no doubt, is it's a great feeling. But I think, you can, you know what, you can see through some of the celebrations of some players as well. You know, if it's a last-minute winner, it's a last-minute winner whether there's a full house or not. There's no yeah. feeling. But you, I think you've seen, certainly I've seen watching games on the telly, you can see when a goal goes in, there's, there's not that incredible... Where does a player go when he scores a goal normally? He runs to the fans. Yeah, yeah. Every now and again, they might run to the manager or or the guy that's assisted him. But well, you run to the st- you run to the stands, don't you? What do you do when the whistle goes and you've won a game? You celebrate with, with your supporters. So it's that natural as a safe that you can't replicate. Um, but we're in it to, as I say, Bristol City. We're in it this season to to stay in touch with that top six as long as we can until we can get supporters back with us and then as I say they, you know, hopefully they'll drive us in that second half of the season if and when we can get them back with us and, um, and they're coming back to see a team that's as I said before really giving everything and competing in every game And Just finally for me just well,
2: just a bit of housekeeping with, with Callum O'Dowd uh, I think you were saying about he was going to go and see a specialist and he's going to decide on what's happening what's the, the latest with, with Callum?
1: Yeah so he's not going to he's the surgeon we're not going to have an operation with Callum he's going to have some injections and rehabilitation. I'm hopeful for a 10 to 12 week turnaround with that until we can see him again. So uh, fingers crossed that he'll come out of it and um, and we can hopefully get him back before the end of the season it'll be a real boost for us. I was going to say, is, is that a big plus, the fact
2: that he doesn't need an op? That maybe like that could have been a much longer recovery then, would it have been?
1: Yeah. I think the, the time scale I don't think, was too different in fairness. Um okay. I think you're always reluctant to do an operation on on a player unless it's absolutely needed. Or there's a huge difference in the timescale because, you know, just to just to put someone under the knife just be, you know, for for not the right reasons is difficult in terms of the player's welfare and things like that. So we've got to be mindful of that. And, and as I say, we're hopeful that the, the specialist has has um has get excited and uh, he'll be back with us. As I say, hopefully before the end of the season. Obviously,
2: a bit of a sickner for him. What, what kind of form is he in? Mood was.
1: He was in real good form for us. I think he's he's been here for a while now and he's always had that ability to to go past players. He's always had that physical attribute to to scare defenders to death at times. And, and what he's started to do particularly this season is provide a real end product. And I think he's I think he's benefited from the the games that he's played. I think he's benefited from, you know, the the belief that we've shown in him and uh, and he was starting to put in some real mature displays in, in different positions. And um as I say, it's a message to, to the players. Again, it's just something that you don't prepare for. You have to adapt and you have to get your head around it quickly. And uh, it's part of the football's journey, unfortunately. And, and he'll come out of it stronger and he'll come out of it a better player. But at the moment, it's obviously a bit of a signal for him and for us. But as I say, it's just the way sometimes that it goes in football. And um, as I say, he's just got to focus now on his rehabilitation, making sure his mind's right and sharp. And when he gets the opportunity, even if it's for the last few games or whatever it is, he's, he's ready to come back and make an impact. No, listen, that's
2: spot on Thanks very much
1: Pleasure Good to meet you David
2: And you take care now
1: Bye Cheers Gregor